Hello everyone, my name is Naomi Williams and welcome to Dawning Diabetes Podcast where we talk about type 1 diabetes, other autoimmune disorders, and healthy living. Hey, it's almost the end of May. Time is going by so fast, but I'm excited because summer is coming soon, y'all. It feels like summer already in Georgia, and I can tell low blood sugar season is about to start for me. But anyway, today we have our guest. She created Glucose and Spice, which is a platform she created to share her love of food and spread awareness on diabetes. She is also a type 1 diabetic herself, and guess what, you guys we have the same first name spelled n-a-o-m-i but she spells her name with an e at the end of the i so it was cool meeting someone with my same name and hearing her t1d story so you don't want to miss out on our conversation today Please do not take any information or stories shared on this podcast as medical advice. Please consult with your doctor or medical professional before changing your health plan. Alrighty, so hello everyone. So today we have a special guest and um, she is a type 1 diabetic. She has her platform called Glucose in Spice and she is in the medical field. But you guys, we have the same name. So her name is Naomi too, but it's spelled with an E at the end. And of course, mine is an I at the end, which is really cool how we're both type 1 diabetics. We have platforms and we both have the same name, Naomi. So welcome to the show, Naomi. Thank you, Naomi. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. So... The first question is, when were you diagnosed and what's your T1D story? Okay, so I was diagnosed about 16 years ago. I was in middle middle school and um, for a couple of weeks, my diagnosis was kind of drawn out. Uh, For a couple of weeks, maybe a month and a half even, I was drinking a lot of water, drinking so much liquids and using the bathroom a lot, like constantly. And it started off slow at in the beginning, but then gradually I would go to like drinking a whole gallon of water or a whole gallon of milk in the middle of the night. And that's the strange part about it because I would wake up at least like seven, eight times to go into the fridge and just gulp water or or whatever kind of drink liquid was in the fridge. And of course, after a few weeks, my family started to notice and it was kind of strange. Um, and so my mother told the pediatrician, at the time, my pediatrician at the time, you know, here are her symptoms. She keeps um, drinking so much and she's urinating a lot. Um, not only that, I had lost so much weight. Um, I was always a slender kid. I had lost weight to the point where my bones were start, like I looked sickly because my bones were all poking out everywhere. And um, that's really what scared my mom. And so when she told the pediatrician this, the pediatrician said that I was probably just going through puberty and that I should wait for my appointment three weeks out, that I should wait for my appointment. And my mom said, no, it doesn't seem like, you know, it's just puberty. I think there's something really wrong. She needs an appointment. And, you know, again, the pediatrician just shoved her off and said, okay, just wait for your appointment. Um, So I think a week later, I 
Okay, well, let me backtrack. I remember it was during spring break. And at this point, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't sleeping at all. And I was exhausted. I was constant. I couldn't, I didn't know what to do with myself. I was just, I couldn't sleep, stay waking up just to drink water or whatever. And then I couldn't go back to sleep because I was peeing all the time. Yeah. yeah. So during that time, you know, I was staying with some relatives uh, for spring break and they were like, okay, is everything okay with you? Like, why are you losing weight? So different things were happening. I was getting the side eye from different people. I was also in a community fashion show with my um, after school and people were side eyeing me because like, wow. you know, the association of anorexia and, and um, modeling. And so people would side eye me like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm, I'm okay. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I love to eat like I'm eating, but it seems like nothing is happening. I just keep losing weight. I don't know what's going on. Um, and so finally, during that week of spring break, the goal was for me to fatten up. <laughs> My right. family's like, you're obviously not eating. So we're going to help you out with this for this week. You could get whatever you want. Um, and I was happy. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> we would get Chinese food and anything that I wanted um, would be ordered so that I couldn't gain because it, it was really scary how much weight I was losing. And so one of those days, I after I had one of my meals, I took a nap and I didn't wake up. Um, they were trying to wake me up and they just couldn't. And so that's when I was rushed to the hospital. And it turns out that I was in DKA. Wow. And I was in diabetic coma. And, um, you know, as soon as I got to the hospital, I had to, it was the same hospital that that pediatrician said that, you know, just wait for your appointment. And I, they couldn't even wait. I was told that we were just rushed in and I was put in the ICU um, so that I could you know, wake up again. <laughs> and um, it was just a, a scary time. And I realized that, you know, if, if people know these signs and also medical professionals could recognize these signs, people wouldn't have to go through DKA, which is diabetic ketoacidosis, as we know, um, because I could have died. You know, I could have been diagnosed several weeks prior, you know, when I first started showing those symptoms. But it took me almost dying for, for me to be diagnosed. And so I think that's something that can change. That yes. can change. Definitely. Um, there needs to be awareness on DKA, um, diabetic ketoacidosis, um, because, um, you know, people, doctors don't think to check the acidity of your blood. So they just think, oh, your blood sugar is high or low. They don't realize like, oh my gosh, like she could or he or them, whoever could be in DKA. And it's a very scary situation because it is life-threatening but I'm happy you got out of DKA thank goodness Mm -hmm. um, because that is scary Um, personally I've never been a DKA before um, when Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed so my parents they caught it early but you're right there definitely needs to be awareness on it so that way parents and just people in general can catch it early um, and things like that and so you mentioned modeling so did you ever go back into modeling are you still modeling now or after you came back to modeling what were their reaction you know if did you tell them you were a diabetic or I did and no I do not model at all I just left that in middle school (laughs) but um when I did go back and I told them oh it turns out it was diabetes and people like oh wow like you know are you okay so people would always check on me and 
try to understand what was going on. And I did gain the weight after, like, you know, I, I gained the normal weight after a couple of weeks of receiving insulin and, um, you know, getting onto a normal eating pattern. But yeah, no, I don't model. <laughs> hey, that's okay. Hey, you can, hey, that is fine. I don't model either. <laughs> so, but that's so cool that you did model in middle school and everybody was just so receptive of you telling them, you know, hey, I'm a diabetic. Um, That's a good reaction because other people, some people have kind of weird reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, So have you ever got weird reactions from people oh, with your yeah. diabetes? And how did you deal with that? Oh, yeah, that that was my whole life. I think up until I started studying um, what I'm studying right now, I'll tell you guys about that later. But I definitely got the, uh, well, there are herbs that you can drink and it's because you had sugar and that's why you're diabetic. And I'm like, no, that's not, that's not what happened. Right. Yeah. My whole, basically my whole entire middle school and high school years was me battling with people's misconceptions. And it was, you know, it was exhausting. And it also led to having low self-esteem because here I am. I'm told that I have this disease. I didn't do anything to have it. And people are telling me that this is what I did, that I didn't do. And they have these different remedies that my mom, of course, she tries because if there's any hope for me to not be diabetic, great. And so, yeah, I I tried a bunch of different things. And of course, they did not uh, reverse my diabetes. Yeah, no, I understand. Same here. Got had the same reactions and people suggest, oh, this could help your pancreas. Like I got that in college and I was like, what do you mean this could help my pancreas? That was that was the interesting thing someone told me ever. I was like, really? My pancreas? Oh, wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I completely understand with that. Yeah, especially um, coming from a Haitian background. Um, we believe in a lot of herbs and, and herbal medicine. And so I had my fair share of remedies, you know, trying to cure this this disease. And they, none of them worked, you know, not saying that herbal remedies aren't good. I love her- herbal remedies. I think they're great, but um, they didn't re- reverse this chronic illness that I have. No. Right. Yeah. They can help, but can't reverse. <laughs> That's yeah. so true. Yeah. <laughs> that is so true. So why did you start Glucose and Spice? So with Glucose and Spice, um, this was an idea that I had for a couple of years, actually. Um, before actually starting it. And I was just so scared <laughs> of putting myself out there and, you know, still working through that. But my main focus, there are a couple of things. One, I wanted to have representation as a person of color with diabetes. I wanted to share um, my life learning what I'm learning right now in the field that I'm going into as a person of color. Only 3% of people of color are in this this profession that I'm going into. I also wanted to share different cultural foods and, you know, just show that, listen, our foods are not dangerous. Like they're not, it's not what's killing us. You know, they have their health benefits. Um, And just empower people to find what health is for themselves. I think a lot of times, um, you know, Especially if you go to the doctor, you're just told, okay, this specific thing is what you need to eat and that's it. And that's not the case. We have so many different beautiful cultures, beautiful ways of making food. And I just wanted to expose them and 
and just show that they're not they're not this mystical culture you know there isn't a mystical culture because to whoever that culture belongs to it's home it's it's theirs and so just you know bringing that to the forefront and you know just so people can respect it and see how you know if they have a health condition that needs to be managed you know that they can feel empowered that they can manage it with their own culture cultural foods another thing that i hope to do with glucose and spice is um just bring nutrition and education for people from the caribbean especially haitian people which i am and so that's something that's really important to me yeah that's amazing and yes definitely check out her instagram youtube you guys i'm I'm gonna link everything her platform in the notes and everything um so yes definitely um check it out there's so many different foods and recipes so definitely check that out um so what are your favorite foods to cook and eat i know you mentioned that you are haitian which is Mm -hmm. amazing and so what are some haitian foods you like to cook what are some favorite foods you like to eat um, from your culture and other cultures that you've tried too in their food so i Okay, in general, I love one pot meals, meals that you could just throw together in one pot um, because you can add your protein, you can have, like, there isn't much thinking about it, you know, um, and they last for a couple of days. So that also helps. <laughs> and so in my culture, I would say uh, I love making bouillon, which is a stew. I love making stews. It is a, a, a stew that has vegetables. It has your protein if you want it you don't really need to make it with with a meat but i usually do and yeah that's one of my favorite favorite things to make so stews are definitely top one for me uh some from other cultures that i've tried i've tried indian cuisine um i always love everything that i ever had from indian cuisine i've loved um there's so many others I, i can't even I can't even start. I just love food and <laughs> food that has spice and flavor. So that's all. Yeah, that's so cool. So um, what is a recipe that you made recently? And how do you make this recipe? If you want to kind of elaborate, like how you make that recipe. Ooh, okay. Let me flip through the pages in my mind. <laughs> um Okay, so I'll go with legume. Um, if you follow me, you'll see that I I eat legume all the time, and it is a vegetable stew. And what you do is you just boil vegetables, or you, not with a lot of water, but you know enough to cover them. And the vegetables mainly use are eggplant, uh, cabbage, coyote, um, also known as militant in the Haitian language. And yeah, so you boil them and you, until they're tender, you mash them up and you flavor them by um, sauteing onions and garlic and, and different, different flavors. And, you know, usually I make a meat sauce on the side and after you've made your meat sauce and by meat, usually it's a meat with like a bone in the center and you add it to your legume and you stir it together. And that is the shorthand version of how you make legume. Wow. See, I need to look up that recipe and go ahead and make it myself and and try it. Because that sounds good. Because I love vegetables, but to have those Mm -hmm. different spices and stuff, I need to make that. Um, So, yeah. 
Yeah. And you can make what I love about it is that you can have it with different things. You can have it with rice. You can have it with bread, even on top of. It. I think I have a reels showing the different ways you can eat like silver sigil. Wow. Okay. I need to. I need to check that out because I don't <laughs> think I seen that post, or maybe I did. Um, but that's so cool. So yes, I will definitely check that out, and you guys check that out too. Um, if you're interested in those recipes, um, so what are you studying to become in the medical field? So I am studying to become a dietitian. And as I was mentioning before, only, there are only 3% of dietitians who are black in the whole profession. And I think that, that, that empowers me to try to, to pursue it even more because I know it is my community that is in need of nutrition education the most. And so I'm just so excited to, to get into it. I finished my undergrad this year. And so I will be starting my dietetic internship in the fall. So, so excited and thankful to be matched. And um, just I'm just really excited to be in this field. Yeah, that's that's cool that you know, you're in, you're going to be in that field and you are pretty much breaking glass ceilings with that. And so congrats to you um, again. Um, and so um, definitely congrats on that. And so, um, of course, um, how do you think, you know, type one diabetes led you to um, becoming a dietitian um, one of these days? That is a great question. Um, type 1 diabetes definitely influenced me um, to go into this profession. At first, I, w I didn't want to go into nutrition because of diabetes. And I thought, oh, I don't want to just go into it because I have diabetes. Like, that's so, uh, you know. But the, when I thought about it, I'm like, this is so needed. It, I, I, I struggled so long with food, um, just not knowing what to eat. I would put a plate on my, you know, fix a plate for myself, get to the table and then just hear people like, you can't have that. You can't eat that, you know? And, and then it just gave me so much anxiety about just eating, which we have to do to survive, you know? Yeah. Um, there was always some dra always drama about what I was eating, you know, how I was eating. And, you know, I always felt defeated just by, just because I was eating. Yeah. Um, of course, that makes you feel like maybe you shouldn't eat anything at all since you can't eat anything, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's been, it was very frustrating. And so um, when I finally saw that this was an option, dietetics and studying nutrition, I was like, you know what? Maybe it's about time that I learn for myself what I can eat and what I can't eat so that, you know, these naysayers, I could be like, no, actually, <laughs> I can't eat this. And, and this is why. Um, but then after taking my first nutrition class, I realized, no, this is, this is for not just for me, this is for so many people who are struggling the same way that I did. And so that's what I hope to accomplish. That's why I hope to help others, you know, not feel that anxiety with eating you know, just to have that comfort that you're okay, just feed yourself and this is fine for you. So. Yeah, that's really, that's really good because you're right in the diabetes community in general, we just have this, this weird relationship with food and, 
sometimes it can be kind of scary because certain foods can really, you know, influence our blood sugar so much. And so that's good that, you know, you're in a profession where you can show diabetics and just people in general, like, you know, it's it's okay to eat, you know, whatever you want, as long as you're being healthy and you're doing what you can, um, you know, so I think that that is really good. Um, and so, yes, folks, for all you diabetics out there, um, you know, definitely, you know, don't be afraid of food. You know, it's just taking insulin with it, making sure you manage it, especially with those of you who are newly diagnosed. It's just a learning curve. But yeah, so that is so true. So staying on that topic of diabetics everywhere. So what would you tell, what advice would you tell, um, could be like college students, um, college graduates who are living with diabetes, what advice would you give them? One advice that is, that was very important is, um, advocating for yourself. I think that a lot of people, you know, coming out from middle school or high school, you're used to your parents handling everything or you have a 504 plan in place at school. People are aware that you're that you have a medical condition. When you get to college, it's like you're on your own. It can feel that way, but it doesn't have to be that way. Um, I, I just think that people should speak up and recognize what accommodations that they can use and you know speak to their if they feel comfortable speaking to their professors but there's always a disability um office that you can relay those concerns to and then they can relate to your professors for you if you don't feel comfortable um another thing that's really important is just to take time for yourself a college and even career going into your career it's really it can be really overwhelming with the things that you have to get done and a lot of times we put diabetes on the back burner you know even when I think about staying up late to study or um just making sure that this assignment is done but we have to remember this assignment is not more important in your life you need to go eat you need to get your insulin take time to exercise take time for your mental health um because in the long run it's going to be a lot better for you Yep, that is so true. Well, there you have it, folks. So thank you so much, Naomi, for coming on the show. I appreciate you taking the time to do this interview. Um, and yeah, just, just thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. So diabetic ketoacidosis is a serious condition that happens to type 1 and type 2 diabetics. So when there is not enough insulin in the body, according to the CDC, this means cells cannot take in that glucose for energy and to keep the organs functioning all over the body. So in an effort to save the body, the liver breaks down fat reserves to keep the body functioning but this produces ketones in the bloodstream so ketones causes the blood to be more acidic which can lead to system issues coma and sadly death if not treated in time the signs to look out for when it comes to diabetic ketoacidosis is fruity breast smell excessive thirst and 
frequent urination, extreme fatigue, headaches, fast deep breathing, stomach pain, and nausea. Now, these are the main symptoms of DKA, but there are plenty more symptoms associated with this. So for those of you who have been a diabetic for years, DKA is a possibility. I hope you and I never have to experience this condition, but we have to remain aware about it because all it takes is a messed up insulin pump or insulin resistance, and we can develop DKA pretty quickly for others and very slowly for other people. So even if your blood sugar is a little high or in a normal range, you still have to check your ketones, especially if you don't feel well. And it's good to check your ketones sometimes anyway, even if your blood sugars are in range and you feel great just as a precaution. That's what I do. And so I've started checking my ketones when my blood sugars are in the 170 200 range for a little while. And also always advocate for yourself and how someone who can advocate for you if DKA could be causing you to feel sick. A doctor may not always listen to patients, so be bold and speak up and get a second opinion if you need to. So I say all of this not to scare anyone, but for those of you who, you know, have diabetes or not, please be aware of DKA because you never know. You could save your own life. You could save a stranger's life or someone close to you because you have that knowledge and awareness of diabetic ketoacidosis. And also, don't be afraid to try new foods, whether you have diabetes or not. For all my diabetics out there, it's really about adjusting your insulin and testing to see how you can bolus or take insulin for that food or meal the next time. So definitely work with your doctor. Um, and also as you manage your diabetes, just test different foods if you are able to and just see how it works for your body or how it doesn't work for your body. It's all about that structured trial and error. But go ahead, have fun, try new foods and you just never know. You may have a whole new way of eating that you never knew that you loved to do. So go out, have fun. Well, thank you to Naomi again for sharing her T1D story and her love of food. I don't know about y'all, but I feel kind of hungry, so I'm going to go eat. But that's it for today, folks. I have some new episodes coming out in June, so I will talk with you guys then. This has been Naomi Williams with Dawning Diabetes. Thanks for listening today. Tune into episodes every other Thursday. Check out more episodes if you haven't already. And please join the Dawning Diabetes community where you can connect with others and stay updated on healthy living. Okay, you guys. See ya.